Hello and welcome again to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk transportation. I am the transportation anchor and transportation reporter and transportation guy and traffic anchor and traffic guy for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters, and I'm not a bad driver either. You're not? No. You're a very good driver? I'm a good driver. All right, Mr. Rain Man. Coming up in just a bit, we'll have a conversation about older drivers, not just necessarily good or bad drivers, but about older drivers. And we'll ask the question, how old is too old to drive? We've talked about this topic in the past. We have. We uh, will get into it much more with Miley Gray. She's the executive director of Drive Smart Colorado. It's really an interesting topic and a tough topic topic for some. And it's not just if you live, you know, here in Colorado where we are. It, it really is anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world, frankly. Uh, and so it's an interesting topic. And there are resources to help out people and to find out when people are too old to drive. And we'll talk to Miley all about some of that. But I wanted to start with some viewer emails. Beautiful. Because we like to have feedback. Uh, if you want to give us some feedback... The way to do that is 303-832-0217. That's the easiest way to give us some feedback. Uh, but you can also write us an email at drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. So this is what one person wrote to us. Dear Jason, I thought I'd fan out on this Colorado Gives Day. The other day uh, was something that we call Colorado Gives Day, where we ask for uh, donations to your favorite charity. Anyway, he said, I have always loved driving and have had jobs that involve my car. Subsequently, for 25 years, I've received my news almost exclusively through CPR, Colorado Public Radio. Mm -hmm. However, four plus years ago, I started to drive for Uber and you came into my life. Interesting. Beautiful. I have always been a morning person and to better prepare for the morning commute, I turned on the TV for traffic news. I tried all the local stations. No one I know talks about zippering. My 22-year-old live-at-home non-driving son is about to disown me more uh, than me except for you. You are the only one that I've heard say anything about new concrete so that I might go drive on it. <laughs> I wouldn't say you delight in accidents, but you sure are enthusiastic about updates. I left Channel 7 for a small bit when y'all started doing 360. <laughs> he says I couldn't stand it, but not for long because everybody else made traffic boring. There you go. How can traffic be boring? I love traffic, transportation, patterns, physical patterns, striping, bad drivers, good drivers. Now that I'm semi-retired, Channel 7 just stays on, and the household is now a GMA family. Good morning, America. We enjoy it, but it's because of you. You are appreciated. Signed, Zen Zip. Well, Zen Zip, I uh, appreciate those comments very much. Thank you. It's very sweet. Um, I think he would have really liked me. If he, uh, if he heard me on the radio back in my old radio days. Yes. Or maybe if you talked even more about the Zipper Merge. Yes. I talk about Zipper Merge all the time. I talk about spoois and uh, about um, single, uh, single point urban interchange. Oh, I knew and, that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> some of the, um, like a partial flow, uh, partial continuous flow interchanges. Yep. Um, the diverging si diamond. The diverging diamond. Roundabout. Uh, I actually went through some of the uh, continuous flow interchanges down in Colorado Springs. Uh, last week, and they, they're pretty interesting. It, you, you, you notice it, but you don't notice it unless you're making the left turn. Then you really notice the continuous flow and how change, how, how different it really is. Interesting. Um, so, any, and, and more of those are, are coming here. So, But anyway, it's nice to uh, talk. It's, it's nice to have somebody write back and say, hey, 
I, I'm I, I me Jason is the reason this guy is actually watching the TV. Isn't he just stating the obvious though? Jason Luber is the truth. I am the truth. Yes. Um. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I appreciated that very much on that Colorado Gifts Day. Uh, another viewer comment number two. Uh, Brad for, uh, Brad Walsh from Littleton, Colorado. He writes, what's driving you crazy? Since moving to Colorado, I've noticed that people ironically have two behaviors that seem contradictory. One, staying in the left lane regardless of passing and traffic load. Yeah, we, I, I get that complaint all the time on my Friday Facebook Live broadcast. Yep, I Always can see that. everybody's complaining about left lane campers. My favorite thing to do is to camp out in the left lane going 55 miles an hour while you're going uphill on I-70 into the mountains. Oh, everybody loves you. Yep. And number two, staying in the right lane through merge zones at on-ramps regardless of whether people are trying to merge, even if they have a clear lane to the left of them. Yep, that bugs me too because... <laughs> When you're when you're trying to merge and there's nobody over to you that you're if you're on even though you have technically the right of way, and and you're coming up to a a, a yield a merge area where you don't necessarily have to yield to the person getting onto the highway, it's still nice to move over. Give your fellow man some room. I think this is one where you're the best behavior is also open to interpretation because I feel like the right thing to do is to speed up so you get around that person, right? That is Why? Me being Why do you want to you want to speed up? See, exactly, right? right? Fine. I That's think I'm fine. being courteous. I want to get out of the way by getting around right. you as fast as possible, but you see it as that person speeding up. What a jerk. Well, no, let's say I am coming on and you sped up and got out of my way. Okay, I, I, I can give you that. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. All right. But if then you're just going to camp it out where I just can't get in? And being a jackhole about it? I love I've seen a couple of those people marching onto sixth who just like they they they're right next to you. And, and it's they on won't purpose. Move. Why? I, I don't know. And they don't want you to get in front of them. It's a power move. It really is it is a power move. Uh, all right, so uh, Brad continues. Uh, after living in Montana where these seemed like such ingrained behaviors, these two are frustrating and confounding. My question is, can the state do a demographic study to find out once and for all if these are either A, zombies, B, people from Texas, or C, people from California? Maybe we can crowdfund and pay for it. Dude, you gave it away. You said they were in Montana. They're people from Montana. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. No, well, you know, I... I I don't think the state's going to be doing a demographic study on this anytime soon. Or we can do C, have their head in their butt. Yep. Maybe it's that's that maybe it's the D. Definitely that one. That one. All right. Are you sick of Christmas songs yet? No. Go out and hear the Christmas songs in the mall or any no. of the stores. And how dare you even ask me that question? You're, you're all Christmas all the time. Hell yeah. I, I do like the Christmas songs as well. However, I did work at retail for a long time, and when you hear... Uh, coming down the chimney down, uh, uh, you know, 17 times a day, uh-huh. good old Andy Williams. Okay. It makes you want to jump off the, uh, off the jean rack there at the Eddie Bauer. Uh, honestly, when I worked there, it was constant repeat over and over and over. They were sometimes maddening how much you would hear those songs over and over again. Well, there's a store in England. I know this is a little bit off topic, but hey, you know, it's I'm talking Christmas stories. There we go. Uh, there's a town in uh, in the town of York, Old York, not New York, Old York, uh, that's banned all cheesy Christmas songs for the sake of their staff morale. The shop owner says you won't hear any Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You" because having to endure such music for hours each day would ruin Christmas for shop floor employees. And I completely agree. Well done. Well, bro, I yes. 
we salute you. The shop is also in a 16th century building in the heart of historic York. So they say that the modern music doesn't really fit their, uh, you know, their, their, their groove. Doesn't fit their decor. Doesn't fit their <laughs> where they are. They can't hire like a string quartet to do Christmas carols all evening. No, they do say they have a cutoff of all music after like the 1960s. And anything before the 1960s uh, is pretty much fair game. Like seasonal shows, like the Nutcracker, they'll play that. Okay. Uh, okay. Classics from Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, all the, all the classics, they'll play those. Uh, they, they say the playlist is big enough for they don't repeat things very often, and they stay away from George Michael and Wham! And holiday music. You're not going to hear, uh, is it Christmas time in Africa? Um, and hear the, what is the, you know. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Do they? No, they don't. That's yeah, exactly. The- <laughs> yeah, all right. Back on, back on the rails here. All right, let's see if you can play. Uh, let's say if you, we uh, can, can uh, guess the, the, the reason for this dumb criminal and why he was caught. Are you ready to play this game? All right. Always. Deputies in Kanawha County, West Virginia, say a driver who led officers on a multi-county chase that reached speeds of 125 miles an hour was taken into custody after his vehicle blank. After his vehicle blank. I, <laughs> crashed. I don't know. The answer is ran out of gas. Oh. Ran out of gas. Okay. Ironically, the criminal was actually driving a Honda Civic, and they pretty get usually pretty good gas mileage. Ran out of money is probably what it was. And if you're going to lead police on a high-speed chase, uh, pro tip, use a full tank of gas. Especially if you're driving a Honda Civic, because you could have taken them on a chase for 400 miles. <laughs> you will outlast them. They yes. will not be able to keep up. Yeah, exactly. Especially in West Virginia, where it's probably the only police department for the entire state. So it was a few weeks ago, uh, episode number 147, that we dedicated the entire show to the question, should public transit be free? It was a really good episode. Um, Rosalie Ray was the guest that joined us. Uh, she has a chapter in a book all about free transit. Go back to episode number 147. You can listen to it all over again and, and enjoy it or, or listen to it for the first time. <laughs> right. Well, the city council for Kansas City, Missouri, recently came to the unanimous decision that the answer to the question, should public transit be free, should be yes. They are now ready to offer free bus transportation citywide, in an effort to increase public transit ridership in Kansas City. This is the first time that a large United States city is making a system-wide free transit change. Now, the program is supported by the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, along with the city's recently elected mayor, Quentin Lucas, who is actually the one who proposed this zero-fare transit initiative. And bus fares in Kansas City... They really weren't that much anyway. They were $1.50 per ride and uh, $50 for a monthly pass. Much, much less than what we're paying here in Metro Denver. We have a tiered system, depending on if you're on, on the trains or the buses and how much they are. Usually the buses are, what, 3 bucks or so? It's 3 bucks is. Something yes. like that. Yep. The trains can go anywhere from up to, up, up up to, to $10. Like 10, right. Yeah. Uh, depending on how many zones you're going through. Uh, and so it's a pretty expensive 
here compared to other places. So, and and, and the fair collection that that we get here in Denver is about twenty five percent. That's what it is in most places. It's about twenty five percent of the overall operating costs. Their their city streetcars are already free in Kansas City. It's like our Sixteenth Street Mall downtown. As we talked about before, most cities are hesitant though to adopt this fully free fare system because it can be expensive. Kansas City is going to be paying an extra eight to nine million dollars. Well, I guess I, I should say that they'll be collecting eight to nine million dollars less than they than they would have if they were charging that dollar fifty fare. So right there, they have to come up with the eight to nine million dollars right right off the bat because they're losing the revenue. Then you also are going to incur more costs because if you want more people to ride, then you're going to have more costs associated with that. You might need more buses. You might need more drivers. You're going to have more maintenance. You're going to spend more money on gas, diesel. You're going to uh, spend more money on tires, that sort of thing. I mean, that, that falls under a good problem to have, though, right? I mean, if it gets to the point where this, the ridership becomes so overwhelming that they have to add routes and staff, I think Kansas City would say, great. Didn't expect this to happen. But let's say it costs them another, let's say, half of that. five. Let's say it's $5 million. So overall, let's say $15 million for them to offer free rides. Is it worth it? I, in a city where any any budget for any city is going to be upwards of a billion dollars, I think is the one line item, making sure that people can ride transit for free. That's probably a pretty good line item. I, I thought it was pretty interesting that one of the city council members there, he says, and he's, he's actually a loyal bus rider, he told our script station, KSHB, when we're talking about improving people's lives who are our most vulnerable citizens, I don't think there's any question that we need to find that money. That's not a ton of money, and it's money that we, as a city, if we want to prioritize public transportation, it's something that we can find. Well, why haven't they found it in the past? Because they didn't prioritize it. I'm surprised they didn't find the money first. And then voted, or maybe they're just forcing the hand of the city into saying, "All right, we're you know we as city council, w- w- let's just do this. Let's just." I mean, I think at a political level, that's kind of what you have to do, man. Like you can't have it. I, it we're at a point in our society where you can't have a rational discussion about this stuff and be like, mm, "Where in the budget are we going to make cuts?" Because you have a bunch of people with the attention span of a gnat, and once you start talking about making cuts, the initial budget item that you were trying to fund gets lost in the shuffle because everybody gets very defensive about what you're going to be cutting. So it's a do, then ask for forgiveness and correct whatever damage is done by doing it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what is cut, how this affects. You know what? I I really would like to uh, maybe talk to one of our reporters there uh, in Kansas City. And, well, maybe we should wait for the program to to get get some traction over the next several months. Maybe uh, in the spring we can check in with them because typically in the the wintertime you're going to see not as many transit riders. Even though it would be free, you're you're not going to see as many as you are going to see in the springtime or in the summertime. Right. I mean, that's when people will start considering leaving the car at home because they know a bus stops a half mile away. Yeah. 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 We'll see how it goes. Um, Transit. Uh, this uh, outfit called Transit Center. They have a report that was published earlier this year that said uh, that transit agencies should first focus on improving their service before making their service free. And I hope that the Kansas City Transit Authority 
takes that to heart and and doesn't just say, all right, this is the level of service that we've always had. This is the level of service that we're going to keep trying to try and hopefully try to keep up with. Actually have a better level of service when it is free than when it wasn't. Right? Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, but if you're going to offer something for free and it sucks, nobody's going to use it anyway. Right. It sucks. Because you have that one chance. Yeah. And that's why if you do it, you get it ready to go. That's one reason on this show, I actually, we recorded several episodes when we first started uh, so we could then drop them all at one time and then get into our routine of, of doing the show because you want it to be, obviously you're gonna, we're, we're better now than we were when we did this three years ago, but you want to start off the, you know. With start. just one episode sitting there and if somebody doesn't like it, uh, we're out. Exactly. Right? Or if they, they get the one episode and then there's nothing else for them to go, gravitate towards. They're going to yeah. go to some other podcast out there. That's why it's interesting to see the Mandalorian is doing it that route, but they also have the Star Wars, the whole mystique to uh, fall back on. Yeah, if this was a Star and Wars podcast, we too could do whatever we wanted. Yes, and well, we don't have Baby Yoda. True. Even though we speak, you know, well, I, I would love to have Baby Yoda. And speaking, you know, Baby Yoda is actually 50 years old. Sure. You, you don't know that, you know? No, I know who Baby Yoda is. I, I would love to get her on the podcast, but it, there's no, does not talk. Correct? No, no. Baby Yoda, well, at this point, Baby Yoda does not talk. Nor does Baby Yoda drive. Um, but well, I, I, let's let's transition into older drivers. Speaking of how old Baby Yoda is, we could transition to older drivers this way. This past week, the Colorado State Patrol sent out a tweet, and this was the message they sent out. In 2018, there were 129 drivers over 65 years old involved in fatal crashes. When is it time to give up driving? It's not an easy discussion, but an important one. For more information, please click below. Now, the link that they included in that tweet takes you then to the Drive Smart Colorado website and their older driver page. And, Joseph, you and I have talked in the past questioning that uh, exactly what the state patrol did about how old is too old to drive. So we wanted to get more in depth about this question. So we wanted to really get into it. And so we invited Miley Gray. She's the executive director of Drive Smart Colorado to be here on the show and talk more about it. Miley, welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So let's jump right in with the shortest question, but probably the toughest one to answer. <laughs> When is someone too old to drive? Well, it's not a short answer, um, as you can imagine, because honestly, um, driving is not necessarily an age-related thing. It's really an ability-related thing. So we have some uh, folk, and, and, you know, the statistics, you know, the older people are always considered from 65 on. So that's quite a lot of changes happen from the age time you turn 65 to, you know, 90. But um, it really... You know, things naturally do occur to the body and the mind as one ages. So we need to keep all those things um, tuned and we need to pay attention to how we are doing physically and mentally. But really, there are people many years younger than 65 who probably should be being questioned if they should be driving to for a lot of the same reasons. So it is not such a cut and dry um, question or answer. We really do not believe in saying, you know, at 80, you should not be allowed to drive or something like that because there's many people these days 
um, especially with everybody physical fitness and staying, you know, doing Sudoku, you know, puzzles or whatever, that they're keeping their mind tuned and they're keeping their body tuned and there's just no way that they really should stop driving at, say, 80, you know, a random number there. So, so that's the long and the short of it. We don't believe that there is an age uh, what you, and that is a highly heated and controversial question. And, and I'm not elderly by any means, but I am old enough to qualify for AARP. Uh, I, I can t- <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can tell that my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, and I, and I have to use the readers, and it, it, it actually helps when I have more light when I'm reading. And, but, and I also don't have the same patience that I used to when I was younger to keep up with the speed of traffic. Uh, how, how else are, are, are people not able to... Uh, keep up, or how is the aging really affecting a person's ability to drive, even if they're not up to 65? Well, you know, so there are a variety of health factors that affect driving. Physical health, um, like you were mentioning, vision. You know, we, as we age, many of us do have to start using readers, or maybe at some point you need to actually go to glasses. And for one thing is for sure, you need to make sure that you actually wear the glasses if you are prescribed the glasses, because you sure don't want to be caught off guard or get in an accident and not have your glasses on, and your driver's license says you're supposed to be wearing them. That would be very bad. So if you are prescribed to wear glasses, please put down the vanity for a second or whatever and wear glasses while you're driving. But so vision is uh, something that affects all of us. This is not unique to you or me or, or anything or age necessarily, right? Another thing is strength, flexibility, and medications that people take. All those things combined can really make someone who otherwise probably could still be behind the wheel Maybe not quite as reliable behind the wheel, but there are things you can do to help that, and you don't have to be stuck at home without the ability to drive. I mean, um, I personally was talking to a gal who told me at a senior center um, that like two years ago, she was on a walker. And she, seriously, she couldn't drive. She could hardly walk. She started taking an exercise class at at the senior center. And today she's back behind the wheel and her walker is sitting in her closet collecting dust. So that's an, that's an amazing testament to flexibility, keep the, your neck, you know, keep the motion in your neck good so you can look over your shoulder or, you know, check blind spots. But medications too, medications have a tendency, not for everybody, but they have a tendency to increase as one gets older. If, you know, your body just doesn't quite act the way that it did when you were younger. You need to pay attention. You really actually need to read where it says, do not operate heavy machinery if taking this. You need to actually not operate heavy machinery. And what is one thing that we all operate that's very heavy machinery? (laughs) That would be a car. So we really need to pay attention. Um, Some medications make you drowsy. And that just might be that then don't take that medication. Talk to your doctor about a better time to take it so you can drive. Maybe you can switch it to taking it at night. So there are certain things you can do physically to really help enhance your ability to stay behind the wheel as long as you're safe to do so. But the other thing, and you also mentioned this, um, is your cognitive health. 
you know, people know if their memory's starting to go a little bit, and I don't mean just you forgot, you know, where the, where you put your keys for a minute in your house or something, but when you really actually start um, being a little bit more forgetful than perhaps is normal for, for your position, judgment, reaction time. You know, my aunt just had to give up her keys at 89. She was sharp as a tack, and she took exercise classes and everything, but finally she had a little stroke, and I asked her, I said, you know, I don't worry about the fact that you can drive from point A to point B, you know, to go get your hair done or something like that, but what my concern is is your reaction time. If something really suddenly sudden happened in front of you, and you had to react in the less than a blink of an eye, would you be able to? And she, luckily, is logical. You know, she she really thought about that. And you could see the little cogs in her brain going like, no, I don't think I probably could. As long as nothing happens bad, you can drive. But if one thing wrong, you know, happens, that's when you might need to start thinking about limiting your driving. But driving. My, but my so, way, it seems like that was stuff. a. It seems like that was a a pretty comfortable conversation for for you two. But I, I'm I'm sure that there are conversations that happen between adult children yeah. and their aging parents who who, who are who get quite contested. I, I all, mean, how, how do you how time. do you deal with that? How do you approach that well, issue with these? Well. People? So I will tell you a couple tools that we have out there, and and one thing is through the Hartford or through AARP, they have great online or in-person classes called We Need to Talk, and it is really geared toward the adult child of the parent. Um, Like, how do you bring that up? This is a topic that you know is going to be so contentious in your family because if you give people their fondest memories are of the first time they got behind the wheel of that car, right? Even if this is 80 years ago, I mean, they remember their first car. They remember, you know, driving down the street, being able to go where they wanted to go. And then they've been able to do that with that kind of freedom their whole entire life. And then all of a sudden, somebody is saying, you can't do that. I mean, I cannot imagine myself right now. You know, if someone was to say, what's your plan to put down your keys? And I'd go, um, I don't have one, you know. And that is the reality for most people. Even I have conducted focus groups across the state. And you ask that question even in a room full of 80 and 85-year-olds. And you say, what's your plan for when you can't drive anymore? Nobody has a plan. And in fact, one woman in Pueblo looked right at me and she said, if I have to stop driving, I would just as soon die. And she wasn't kidding. And so you really see the gravity of the situation. So, so you as an adult child or, or that person, that trusted person that is going to have that conversation needs to, first of all, enter it knowing that that is a very upsetting topic because it is really equal to giving up your freedom and not being able to go where you want to go when you want to go there. And a lot of things are tied to that, right? So any kind of tools like the We Need to Talk program, if you can get online and go through it, might give you just the right way to approach. Or maybe it's 
let's just limit your driving. You know, no more driving at night. Okay, mom or dad, I'll drive you. If you're lucky enough to live in a community where your family is. And then that brings up a whole other topic. There are a lot of people out there who don't live in an area where they have um, close relatives or somebody, a trusted friend or a person that you know that you can call on and you don't feel like you're really putting them out. That is, that's very, very difficult. But so you can soften the blow if you've already thought through some scenarios of who might be able to help mom or dad or grandpa or whoever, you know, and how might I be able to help? How might, you know, maybe at wherever they're living, they maybe there's a, a van that could take them places. Uh, it's, it is definitely challenging. And the more rural communities you get, the more challenging it is because there's not as many quote-unquote, public transportation options. And public transportation isn't always the key either because some people have a difficult time walking from their front door to the curb to get in a public transportation. Or that mile, right, that mile down the road to get to the bus. It's, it, this, is, this is something that Colorado is seriously looking at, and we should because we have an, a very aging population and some counties are aging much quicker. Young people are not moving into counties. They're moving out because of jobs or whatever. You know, a lot of Colorado is very rural. So th these are challenges. They really, really are. We're speaking with Miley Gray, the executive director of Drive Smart Colorado, about when is it too old to be driving? And honestly, Miley, <laughs> I, I feel like it's time for us to take the conversation out of uh, the household, right, and t take some of the pressure off of the children telling the parents these kinds of things because, you know, you mentioned that the parents' memories are of driving, but the parents' memories are also of wiping their child as they were changing diapers and things of that nature, right? And so oh, it's really yes. hard to oh, take yes. advice from somebody of that age. <laughs> oh, totally. So, oh, so, yes. so what, what I would ask is when, does, when do states start to step in and mandate driver's test or some sort of competency exam on a yearly basis to make sure that these okay. people can really stay up to speed? Well, okay, so I guess, uh, are we talking about Colorado? Because every state is different. But I in Colorado, generally, is there anybody? Just generally, yeah. there, is no, there is no law about taking tests every year. The, probably the people in the fiscal you know, departments would have a heart attack over that because you can imagine how expensive that would be. However, it is really, and again, this goes back to it's not an age thing. If you have three crashes, and I would refer, and I know that you've talked about this, but I would refer people to the Colorado's Guide for Aging Drivers and Their Family because it has all kinds of information in here, starting with reexamination. Who can, who can kind of turn some, quote-unquote, turn somebody in for their driving behavior? Um, how old are you when you start having to get your license every five years? So in Colorado, we get our license after the age of, I think, 65 every five years, but you have to do it in person. You cannot, you can't mail it in any longer, and you have to take a vision test. And it's completely based on how many crashes you're in, if you are three or more crashes or serious tickets, that sort of thing, in one year, you're going to be red flagged. So again, it doesn't matter what your age is. If you have that, you are going to be red flagged and it might result in a mandatory evaluation 
on your driving and your cognitive skills, and then it goes back to the Department of Revenue. The Department of Revenue is the deciding organization in the state of Colorado. Um, they oversee, and people go, what is the Department of Revenue? But they oversee the Department of Motor Vehicles. That's why. Um, so it really goes back to them. And, and, and then oh, some, sometimes people are just given a letter um, out of the blue. It's really actually very sad uh, in many situations. They're sent a letter that says, if you do not respond to this letter within 30 days of, of the date it was mailed, you know, you will lose your license. And some people maybe are on a cruise or out of town or something for those 30 days. And, and this really happens. And so... It, this is a very tricky situation. In some states, they have medical advisory boards, and those medical advisory boards oversee and they look at these sorts of serious situations to really determine what is the next step for this individual. Colorado does not have a medical advisory board, so it's really left up to doctors, and doctors don't, don't they are not, a lot of people, let me back up here, a lot of people, you were mentioning how they don't want to be told by um, their children maybe that they shouldn't drive, and that's right. very true. Um, in my focus groups, they've said, I'm not my daughter, she'd be the last one I'd listen to, that yep. sort of thing. People think doctors explain this. Well, doctors don't. It, doctors have to ask so many questions, and it's barely anything about driving. Maybe do you wear your seatbelt? And, and most people think that's who they would talk to, but doctors don't see you drive, and they are not necessarily set up to do full-on cognitive, as it comes to driving, cognitive evaluations and the driving skills assessment. There are professionals in our state who do that, and that is where I would recommend people be sent and doctors do refer some of their patients to these people. And and would you would you recommend that that all states, since we're listened to uh, across the country, would you would you uh, recommend that all states either have these doctor advisory boards or other means to test uh, drive? It just seems logical to me that right. maybe an older driver should go through some rudimentary physical driving test like you did when you were 16 just so they can check your skills. Right, right. And there are, there's a lot of, can you imagine, controversy about, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but um, controversy about um, these medical advisory boards. But I personally think it would be a very good idea if an individual could be treated with a little bit more dignity and respect and give a, given a little bit more time with their individual situation from um, a independent panel who can actually look at something and then steer them in a direction as opposed to just these poor people get a letter in the mail. But at the moment, this is what we're dealing with. And I will tell you that Colorado is not as set up as some other states in the country are for dealing with the quote-unquote, air quotes here, silver tsunami. We are an absolutely aging country. I mean, the birth rate is going down, and people are living much longer. They're having more birthdays because they are healthier. And we are not necessarily, for in a lot of ways, set up for these aging road users. And and that is true even in some states have like larger type on larger font size on their road signs. 
you know, or things that, so in my view, if we can do engineering and improve our roads to the point where we are um, aiming toward making driving better for those of us who are aging and poorer vision and whatnot, it will improve everybody's ability on the road because everybody will be able to see better. So um, I think that there's some engineering things that could help, um, a lot of education. You know, we have a program. It's an, inter- it's an international program. It's called CarFit. We, we are trained individuals who can work with a driver behind the wheel as they sit in their car parked. They're not driving, so we are not evaluating their driving, right? But what we're doing is kind of making sure that everything is set in their car so it fits them so that when they sit in their driver's seat, they are as safe um, and as they can possibly be in their seat. For example, most people do not know how to properly set their side view mirrors to get rid of blind spots. Um, this is, by the way, this car fit program is not something only for the older driver. It would be for absolutely everybody. You know, most people were taught when they sit in their driver's seat to set your side view mirror so that you barely see the edge of your car. Well, think about your own. The joke is, I know where my car is. I don't need to see my car. I'm sitting in my car. I need to see the other cars that are coming up alongside, and you want to be able to see those cars that ride in your blind spot so that you don't have to take your eyes off the road by really careening your neck. And if you're older, maybe you have a stiff neck, whatever. You can't do that, so you just change lanes or you turn left. That's dangerous. So we work with people how to properly set their mirrors, how to properly adjust your seat belt. Oh, steering wheel is a very big thing. Think about this in your own vehicle. We do not want the steering wheel tilted up toward your face. So we work with people to knock it down a little bit so that it's aimed more at your chest. And little things like that will make such a difference in your safety and your ability to drive for as long as you can safely do so. That's my goal. My goal is not to take people's key, keys away at a certain age. It's to make sure that you, everyone on the road, is as safe as they can possibly be without any impediments. And as long as it's safe for them to do so, we want them to stay on the road. And you probably, like my grandmother, don't want to have the steering wheel right there next to your chest. Uh, no. You have to maintain at least 10 yeah, inches between right. the steering wheel and your chest. And um, these are things, these are real serious things. Yeah. We're speaking with uh, with Miley Gray, the executive director of Drive Smart Colorado, about older drivers and when it is too uh, too old to be driving. Uh, you were mentioning in your story earlier about your loved one who had a stroke, and then could basically you could convince uh, her that that it might be time just to stop driving. Well, my grandmother mm-hmm. and it w- would drive her little Ford Escort into her late eighties. And we all knew mm-hmm. her skills were diminishing, and she probably shouldn't be driving at that at that time. We can talk about this in a minute. It was really her mm-hmm. only line to get over to the grocery store. Her husband, yes. my grandfather, had passed, so they didn't have Uber and Lyft at, at that time. They didn't have. She wasn't close to the bus route. She could. She, she just wouldn't have been able to climb up the bus steps. But my grandmother, we knew that she was slipping, and the only reason that she knew that she was slipping is she would keep running into the garage door. <laughs> and and so I think any kind of proof that you can show them h- right. helps your cause saying, look, you, you, you keep running into the garage door, Grandma. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be driving. You are 
absolutely right. And if they can see it for themselves, then maybe if they are logical, but sometimes this gets into a real bad place where they don't want to talk about it at all, you know. Um, but uh, this kind of brings up who who can report somebody for bad driving, right? I mean, who can report somebody? So, for example, you cannot report your next-door neighbor because you keep seeing them bashing into their mailbox. You cannot report them for a driver evaluation or police or anybody. Um, it has if, – if you are concerned about – um, a loved one. It has to be an immediate family member, and it then it has to be uh, perhaps law enforcement or a physician. Those are the only three people or groups who are able to ask for a reexamination to the Department of Revenue. So just to keep that in mind. I was talking to another industry expert who theorized that older drivers aren't necessarily dying in crashes because they are a more dangerous driver, that they actually get into fewer crashes than younger people, but because of their frailty, they mm -hmm. are more apt to be killed because of their old bodies when they get into a crash. So I'm sitting here on the other end of the telephone line here, totally shaking my head up and down. You're 100% correct. Um, actually, people go, oh, we got to get those old people off the road. Well, they are pretty safe drivers. And the reason they're safe drivers is most of them have a tendency not to speed. and We hope not just the opposite, like going so slow, right, that it's impeding the lane. But we, they have a tendency, they have such good muscle memory on all of the years of them driving that honestly, that rote behavior can get them out of a lot of jams that some of our younger and newer drivers have not had that experience and they will not be able to get themselves out of that jam. But you're absolutely right because the aging body cannot just for fear, sheer physicality, cannot hold up to severe trauma the way that perhaps a younger body can. And that is the reason that they do pass away. And so we want to keep them from getting in that situation to begin with because it is sort of a downward spiral in often, oftentimes after that. I have uh, one more, Miley. Miley Gray, Executive Director of DriveSmart Colorado, joining us. Uh, are, are, do you think there are ways to improve cognitive functionality. We talked to somebody, I think it was about a year and a half ago, we interviewed somebody who was all, he actually uh, does brain testing and can help people who have maybe a slower brain activity to actually improve their brain cognitive uh, functions. In fact, he's worked with a bunch of athletes, including Tom Brady, to work on their reaction times. But he still says that Sudoku's or crossword puzzles while they're they're good you might have fun doing them they're really not great at improving your cognitive function H have you heard of different anecdotal uh, evidence that you know, would lead to I, something a, a different conclusion i work um I work with a uh, occupational therapist, a doctor of occupational therapy, and she is a certified driver rehab specialist and she knows all about this and I think what I could say from a lay person is that you know anything you can do to keep your mind sharp and stay social is very very beneficial to 
how sharp your mind is. I mean, if you become kind of a recluse and you sit around and you watch TV all the time and you don't exercise and whatnot, you're not going to maintain, and I'm not making this up, right? We hear it on NPR or your channel or any place. I mean, you know, you are going to maintain a certain amount of sharpness. Now, I don't know about the crossword puzzle in the Sudoku. I know that there are certain medications that are being created these days that really help people who are in very early stages of dementia and whatnot that, um, that people do take. And so I think that, um, that there is a combination of things out there if you have access to them that you can go to people to help you stay. You know, if you are really lucky and you're Tom Brady or something, you can go to these doctors. I think that there's absolutely people who uh, help you concentrate better so that you can focus, so that you're not distracted, so that your brain is not distracted when you're doing complex behaviors. And driving is about the most complex behavior that any one of us could possibly do in any day. It's getting behind the wheel of a car and negotiating through traffic, through, oh my gosh, how about the construction that's going on, through everything, people running red lights. I mean, we are constantly, our brain is constantly working, and I'm, I am positive that there, that there are things out there that can really help that. Now, a lot of us don't have access to that or can't afford that or whatever, and so you need to do whatever you can do, and that's maintain your being social. Keep going out. Maybe maintain, I just heard a thing from uh, a talk the other day, yesterday, from the state demographer's um, office in Denver that said if you keep, the longer you maintain working, the longer your brain stays sharp and the longer you maintain health and you live. Isn't that interesting? So, I mean, there are things these days that we know can improve. And what I just want people to do is Stay active, stay on the road, because if you don't, it can really lead to depression, isolation. Um, people get very, very down if they are pulled up in their house or they feel that they're a burden on people. So you have to kind of take some of it on yourself and really maintain your activity level and, you know, swim or whatever it might be. So that's you know, the long and short of it for me. But back to your very first question, there is no real age at which one should stop driving. There's a whole lot of factors. But think, keep thinking about it. Plan your routes a little bit better. Maybe just limit your driving to take the back roads. Don't get on a freeway. Don't drive at night. Um, only drive when, like don't go out at lunch hour when everybody else is on the road. Run your errands at a certain time of the day. You know, Make your own plan so that you can maintain that independence. Miley, what uh, are some good resources that people can visit on the internet if they if they can to sure. uh, find out this other some better information? Sure. Well, certainly um, our website, drivesmartcolorado.com. I'm a nonprofit, but we've been around so long, I think we were invented before .org was even around. <laughs> so drivesmartcolorado.com, we have a, a lot of information on older drivers, including you can download a copy of the Aging um, Road User's Guide, and it is free. 
And um, we send that throughout the state, and it is also partially funded by AAA of Colorado and the Colorado Department of Transportation. So it's fully legit. And um, you can download that, or you can ask us for a free copy, and we'll send it to you. There's also self-assessments that you can find on the website from AARP or AAA. And the National Safety Council, These are there's some defensive driving classes that you might be able to find around that maybe you can test your own skills on your own without having been asked by one of your family members or something. And then you can feel real good about your own ability to kind of negotiate through cones and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, but talk to your doctor. Force the discussion with your doctor. And if you are at all concerned, um, well, that's the first place you need to go because you don't want to get one of those cold-hearted letters in the mail from the Department of Revenue saying you've been, you know, you've been... um, turned in basically and we need to evaluate your driving so be be proactive uh, yeah that seems like it would be pretty jarring well miley thank you so much for joining us here miley gray the executive director of drive smart colorado thanks again for being here on the driving you crazy podcast you're welcome and i have a lot more topics to talk about on your podcast so you call back anytime you got it we will definitely do that <laughs> thank you All right, there you have it. There goes Miley. Miley, thanks again. If you need that information, uh, it's uh, drivesmartcolorado.com is probably the best way to get all that uh, information um, about older drivers, and uh, it's probably a topic we're going to talk about again, but obviously Miley knows about everything. It reminded me of another topic we talked about, which was the virtual reality for older people and to help people with their driving ability. And I do think that's something where if we're talking about a cost burden and how how annoying it is to have to go take these people out for road tests, it wouldn't be too hard to put them on a headset, simulate what driving looks like for 10 minutes and figure out do they have the cognitive ability to keep up or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. How much would it cost? How much time would it take? I I think that's what this – and I think the state – I think they're concerned that it, they would be either nannyistic or, or people would have there would be such a blowback because imagine any any state legislator doesn't matter the state uh, getting a couple of phone calls from their uh, constituents who are older who have the time to call them. Right. over and over and over again, uh, say, you're not going to take my driver's license away from me. I don't think we can be, be prisoner to the loud minority, if that makes sense. Like I, I understand that the, the elderly people are the ones who are most invested in the elections because they're the ones who watch TV all the time and care because they right. have the time to care, whereas the rest of us have lives and jobs and things of that nature. But we talk about how things are better in Finland and, and in Slo- Slavic countries because they have more rigorous driving tests. We've talked about how it would make sense for America to adopt more rigorous driving tests just for all drivers to make sure that the level of entry to get on the road is higher. I think with older drivers, we have to be looking at how do we make sure their cognitive ability is keeping up year after year because when that stuff goes, it goes quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, but it's also tough to compare those other European countries with us. They, they're obviously a lot smaller. Right. Uh, they are a different mentality than than we are here in the United States. We are fiercely independent here in the United States. It's true. I don't think and, we're too far away from adopting standards like that, though, just because we're moving towards a generation that is more comfortable lifting and Ubering everywhere. And that was the other thing I thought of during that conversation, which is if you're going to have the conversation with your parents and you're going to take their car away, you better have it 
if I if you tell anybody I'm taking your car and I'm making you take public transportation from now on, how are you going to take that? Doesn't matter how old you are. So good luck having that conversation with anybody. You need to have a real plan for how you're going to make sure that your parents can get around if you have to have that conversation. And I'm sorry, but public transportation is not a real plan. And, and I mentioned it at least in a question. Miley didn't really uh, address it, but there are more options now than there were even 20 years ago, uh, where you, where you can tell your elderly. Uh, parents that they can take an Uber or a Lyft. Um, there are other ways to get around. They have the accessoride ability where the bus will come right there to your house, that smaller bus that will pick you up and I, take you around. But I, I don't think that's feasible for anything other than like scheduled hospital visits, though. Honestly, just because but the, the, it's a way to get around. It's, it's another option. Right. But but I would say it's it's another option, but we can't sell it as the same as having a car. No, and it's that, definitely and that, not. And that's what a lot of people try to do when having these conversations and say, well, it's not that much different. No, if you call Accessride, they're going to make you wait for two hours. Well, yeah, you're right. And so. if, But if you call an Uber or Lyft, they'll be there in 10 minutes. Exactly. And that's where the conversation needs to go, which is how can we, how can we educate older people about the benefits of ride-sharing technology so they can utilize it and stop driving? Uh, speaking of telling people that they sure too old to do things, uh, who's going to have that? Um, I see, I, I see you wearing your Patriots hat, and who's going to tell Tom Brady now that he's too old to be throwing the football around the field? Because well, you heard it the, seems like he is uh, getting close. You heard the booze at Gillette Stadium last week, my friends. Patriots Nation is telling Tom Brady to get off the field. Whether it's a good thing or not, I'm not going to have that conversation. But we're all seeing it. Which which one of the goats is? Uh, there in, in in New England is to blame for this one. <laughs> I I will never stop being loyal. I believe in loyalty, so go. we're winning the Super Bowl. Right. All right. Out with the old Heisel and in with the new Heisel. Uh, by the way, keep an eye on your Kia. Do you have a Kia? No. You, you don't drive a Kia? Nissan, baby. A Nissan. All right. Well, I, I haven't heard about that, but I have heard of, uh, since this past Tuesday, 135 Kias have been reported stolen. 45 of those in just the last month. I, I don't know why the criminals are so drawn to stealing Kias. Maybe they're easy to steal. Probably. Um, do you think they're classy in the car theft neighborhoods? Do you want to be seen driving st- a stolen Kia? No. No, I would not. You wouldn't. That, you don't think that's like the, the leading factor? You're, you're driving around the neighborhood with your stolen Kia? Is there a less Yo, classy car Yo, look what I Kia? got. A is, stolen Kia. Is a Fiat worse than a Kia? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I think so. Maybe they're just roomy. Uh, enough to throw in other stolen goods into, like, the trunk or the back seat of the Kia. Maybe that's what... Maybe it's easy to steal other things in a stolen Kia. I don't know. What's You, I, you know, if you I have a better know. theory, you can always call the show. 303-832-0217. Yes, and if you've had your Kia stolen, call that number, too. We'd love to talk to you. First call 911, and then call us, 303-832-0217. Doesn't matter if you've had it stolen here in uh, Colorado or Idaho or Montana. Anywhere. Arizona, Alabama. I'm not going to go through all the states. Uh, thanks again for listening <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm dying here from my this horrible cough thing that I've been going through. Uh, th- thanks again to Miley for joining us. Maybe we'll talk to uh, her again as, uh, as we find out more about um, other road topics because it seems like she could talk about anything. Uh, thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. I'm pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.